Welcome to Creative Superwomen's podcast. We have created the podcast to be a voice to inspire women to achieve their dreams. Here at Creative Superwomen, we have a huge passion for driving women to be successful. We want women to feel empowered and make their dreams come true. The podcast will discuss a range of topics with women within startups, business, providing career advice, as well as health, fitness and nutritional experts and much, much more. So today uh, we are joined by Devinda on our podcast, who is a property developer and investor. Thank you for joining us today, Devinda. Thanks for having me on, Harps. Um, just so I'm really intrigued to know um, a little bit more about your business, Spot the Dave. Um, yeah, so Spot the Dave is, I guess, what I'm known as on social media. It started mm-hmm. as a bit of a joke um, when I was in Brazil in 2015. Um, Dave has just always been my nickname because as we know Punjabi names are usually unisex so that was where that kind of like the social media spot that Dave has come from um, and within property I um, I'm mainly have HMOs but I do have a buy to let so I'm a HMO developer where my strategy is I convert two bed terraced houses into five bed ensuite HMOs um, and then rent them out to either students or professionals and something that I'm looking to go into uh, is supported living. Great. So for those people who actually don't know what HMOs are on the um, listeners wise, um, if you can just give us a bit more information about like what a HMO actually is. Yeah, sorry. I just realized that yeah, it's, um, I've kind of assumed that, yeah, the jargon would be known. So HMO stands for House of Multiple Occupancy. And it basically means instead of having like a single family, like, and that's not like a single parent family, but like one family, and instead of having like a nuclear family in your property, I would have say five professionals or five students. Um, and therefore each room is kind of seemed as, as its own family because they're unrelated people. Um, and so, yeah, my strategy is specifically, I have like four and five bed HMOs. Mm-hmm. And like, how did your whole venture of Spot the Dave begin? Um, like what gave you the um, idea or where did you come about thinking, okay, I'm gonna go into properties. Um, I'm not sure if you were um, doing anything before the property industry and kind of where it all stemmed from. Yeah, so I was actually in banking. So I was a trader and I worked in New York um, and then London and uh, I've, did that for about five years so I was in investment banking but I was a trader for the last part and I did that for five years and I just always knew I wasn't going to be one of those dinosaurs so I knew I wasn't going to kind of be working in investment banking for 27 and 32 years like a lot of my um, colleagues were and so one of the things that everyone seemed to seems to be doing um, when they're creating like a secondary income is was investing in property like my granddad has um, investment properties and yeah so you know I knew uncles and aunts you know being Indian and stuff so it just seemed like the thing that people were doing and so I thought well if I want to leave banking um you know even with it's when it's remuneration you always go forwards not backwards and um I knew if I left banking because the thing I wanted to do was save the world um whatever that meant and then I went to Greece to work with refugees got my wrist broken but 
um, before that I thought, well, if I go do the thing that I'm really passionate about, I'm going to lose this remuneration. I'm used to and comfortable with a certain way of life and a certain income level. So I don't want to give that up. Um, and that was the whole reason of buying a buy to let, which I bought in zone two West London um, in 2016 after viewing like 50 properties and um, made tons of mistakes. And yeah, so that was the thing that like was my first buy to let that got me onto the property ladder. And I, I genuinely thought in 2016 that I would only have one or two investment properties. Like I didn't think I would turn it into a business and go into property full time as I then did um, later in 2018. Um, but yeah, it was just like a series of events. So working full time as a trader leveraged off my salary at the time to get the maximum mortgage that I could bought a buy to let and that's been rented out ever since and then um broke my wrist when I went to Greece to work with refugees and then read rich dad poor dad and the algorithms got me sat in a property course in London and basically just thought yeah I can do this and I'll probably do this for a little bit while longer and that's basically where I'm at now cool thanks for sharing that so um again just a buy to let if you can just tell us a little bit more about the concept of buy to let um versus residential properties and did you say that you would directly went into a buy to let um or did you have to get a residential before you did get into a buy to let no i don't actually own any uh, residential property even now and my property portfolio is about 2.3 2.4 million um okay. so yeah so no you know, it's it's not like necessary to have a, a residential property. Um, actually, when people start doing property full time, they actually realize that they can release the equity from their residential properties and they end, sometimes end up selling them and then just building up a portfolio of investment properties. So, yeah, no, I, I haven't ever bought a residential property. I probably won't either just because of like the way of thinking that I have. Um, and I, I would rather have that fluidity to kind of move all over the country rather than be stuck in one place than have like that. Res I say this now, obviously, when I'm not married and don't have kids. And then obviously when that changes, I'll probably be like, oh, no, I want to settle here. But no, I quite like the adventure. I've been to over 50 countries and I love the the idea of just like being being mobile. And I love that. I've got my investment properties that, you know, make me money whilst I sleep. It's that passive income. And yeah, I'm, you know, I would look to kind of expand on the on the buy to let. So the, the, the investment property portfolio rather than commit myself to a residential property. Yeah, because I, I think um, anyways, from my personal understanding, I always thought you have to have a residential before you have a buy to let. So that kind of helps me understand it from that respect. And even the course you went on to, that seems pretty interesting. So, I mean, anyone who is interested in going into properties um, and would like to do a course, um, what would your recommendations and takeaways be based on going on a course and then, you know, going from that course to actually being in the property industry? Yeah, so... Um... If anyone's interested in property investment, I would say do your research and reach out to people that that you connect with um, if they do mentorships and stuff like that. So um, within I did a, a property course that was super expensive and the industry has changed since then. So I did it in 2017 and there's nothing that that's that there's at that level. So I spent twenty five thousand pounds in property education 
Um, so because of that course, I've got a 2.4 million pound property portfolio, and I've also generated six figures from just project managing and sourcing. And mm -hmm. I wouldn't have been able to do that if it wasn't the network. Now, I'm not saying that that's the that's the route to go down, because there's definitely a lot more cheaper options now. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it, the world has rapidly changed in 2021. And there's podcasts, there's YouTubes, there's, you could read property books, you can get super, super educated, you can join these cost effective, like monthly property meetings and networks to just start socializing whereas I didn't do that I went straight into the property so that's what I would recommend you know rather than committing quite quite a, a decent like a chunk and um, so I committed like 19,000 to the property education it was like 5,000 pounds for property mentoring for 12 hours of contact with a property mentor but at the time I really really needed that and I was lucky because I had that capital and a lot of people don't come from that place where they have that capital and um, because I left banking and I'd wangled the payout um, so I managed to just spend that on my education and and if it wasn't for that education I wouldn't have the the successes or the growth that I've had you know and I with me personally I really work well in a classroom setting so I really enjoy that classroom setting I always have I succeeded in school um and I just excelled like I was an overachiever but I I was an overachiever because I could tell where my peers were at and that I was slightly ahead and that's why I prefer that classroom setting because when you're doing things on your own you just don't know whether this is like is this like above average or is this below average or, is, or am I at average so yeah and mo and a lot of the property people that I met was during those courses that I ended up kind of sourcing and project managing and making you know some decent returns from them because they were time poor whereas I was like time rich um, and it worked really well so yeah I really enjoyed that um, but it worked well for me but I think in 2021 you don't need to do, go down that expensive route and the industry has changed so much that yeah, there are so many cost effective and affordable options, but definitely I would say, you know, do your research and start listening to property podcasts and um, connecting with people and it's super overwhelming. Um, but if if it's something that, you know, one wants to do, you're, I'm sure you'll find your way. Um, and yeah. Yeah, I think you raise a, a few great points there in terms of, you know, it's your mindset firstly, like you're saying you wanted to be in properties um, and then it's that financial investment on learning because you obviously need to learn the trade before you can start going directly into it. I mean, like you said, this YouTube um, and podcast you can learn from. So it could be slightly cheaper now than it was when you did it. Um, but, you know, those are trade-offs, I guess. So anyone similarly going into a university degree, it's just like, paying that now what is 30,000 um, is kind of breaking even to what you've just said, how much it roughly cost you. And also that support, that mentorship support is really vital um, because the learning applied with your mentorship helps you succeed more fast. And because they've kind of done that blueprint into the mentorship, I guess that helps support um, how fastly you grow. Do you kind yeah. of, do you feel like that helped you grow even faster? Definitely. I, I, value, I value education in whatever form it comes in. Mm -hmm. Right. And so and I, I love learning. And I think like for me, I love learning off people. I'm way more of a people person and love to have a conversation rather than kind of like reading through, you know, 50 page document or a 20 page document. That's just that's just my my way. Um, but yeah, like when I left university, I left with twenty five thousand pounds worth of like student loans um and even now I still have my student loans because it's the lowest form of debt and I could easily pay that off but I'd rather invest right if I can invest and make a return of 10 percent um why would I pay off my one percent loan 
Mm-hmm. And and that's something that like when you become savvy with like percentages and numbers and investments, that's just something like you can borrow cheaply and invest that. And that's what I do in property. I take mortgages. Um, so a lot of my portfolio is leveraged at 75% loan to value. And I take mortgages because they're the cheapest form of debt. And I have an investment which still gives me a, a decent return. I hear a lot of similarities um, about the book that you've read. I've heard a lot about that book. So, I mean, I'm really intrigued on how that book helped you as well in terms of your um, career journey, because you said that was quite insightful for you as well, being in properties, right? Um, yeah, so being in property investment, um, yeah, reading the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, you know, he's known as like the guru of property investing. Mm-hmm. To be honest, I'm, I'm not really keen on his ethos a little bit. Um, as I've delved into a little bit of what he says, I don't actually believe in a lot of like the, the, the things that he said, but there's still value um, in in a lot of the things that um, Robert Kiyosaki does say. I don't believe in his like mid, stick the middle finger up to the banks uh, and he's obsessed with like debt, debt, debt. Um, I'm not of that mindset. I think I have a more cautious relationship to debt. Um, I have heard other people say the opposite to his ethos um, just because he doesn't have kids. So there is nobody for him to leave a legacy. And if when you end up talking to a lot of experienced property investors that do have kids, actually they, they do things in a different way and structure their wealth in a different in a different way when, when, because they're thinking about leaving a legacy for the children. So I definitely take more value from people that I think I would want to follow in their footsteps. Whereas Robert Kiyosaki and Rich Dad Poor Dad is not one of the ones that I think I would follow all of my principles to, but yeah, there was definitely value from his book and things that I, uh, I definitely enjoyed. Okay, cool. And uh, in terms of your struggles, cause obviously I'm guessing it wasn't a straight road into properties. Um, like, you know, what was the initial struggles? Because a lot of people going into any business or anything, the first thing, there's going to be loads of hurdles. So what were kind of the more prominent um, hurdles that you faced when you started in the property industry? Yeah, so in property investment, the hurdles, um, once you get over the education and the fear and the mindset, and you know what you're doing, um, it's, it's been the maintaining of properties and just bad builders and copycat investors. Um, and so there'll be people that disappoint you quite a lot and ju- that just have a different way of working or doing stuff. And that really got to me, bad builders, especially because bad builders can seriously make or break your business. Um, you know, I know people that have like really suffered a lot from bad builders. And if it's early on, it really puts them off. And fortunately, mine, although mine ended up being on like project number, project number three, um, it taught me so much quite early on and it allowed me to be skeptical of people and now I don't just don't take you know I'm the one setting the boundaries and I won't take anything from a builder or tradesman um, and stuff and I'm imposing deadlines and setting dates and stuff but bad builders copycat investors um, just shady people just downright shady people really like got to me um you know whether they're like completely copying my designs from my social media from like looking at my properties on my social media or um or just um I don't know like going into my investment area and nicking my builders for example that's been that's been horrible so those hurdles have been challenging and I really let that get to me in 2019 and I just I wasn't sharing like I wouldn't um, I wouldn't kind of speak my truth on social media and like I would just hide all my property projects and then like as I was doing therapy last year my therapist shared a story with me and I, it basically came out it was like nobody is my competition and even my competition that were you know like 
stealing my builders and copying, you know, my HMO designs, paint by paint and kitchen handle by kitchen handle and tile color by tile color in the bathrooms, I realized like there will never be me and it's fine. They can copy that one HMO or the five or the 14 that I'm, you know, the 13 that I've done and the 14th one that I'm doing. But um, yeah, they can, they, they will never, you know, be me or have like that, whatever it is that I have that, yeah, is different. And so that really got to me and it stopped me from speaking my truth and getting over that was a bit tough but now and like you know I I'm putting myself out there I do Instagram lives weekly with other property people um and just throw out you know like as much content as possible on my like mainly Instagram and and that's been so rewarding because in 2020 I ended up um kind of attracting the right people. So before I was attracting the copycats because I was kind of highlighting the high glossy magazines. And then I started attracting the people that just wanted to receive a passive investment and just wanted to lend their capital to me. And that was quite humbling because I then was sharing the real pain, like the rodents and the leaks and the the water leaks and the the issues that I was having. And, you know, people would relate and they would go, oh, this happened to me here, you can do this. And it was really helpful, like having a community which, was actually helping you whereas before it was they were like copying me and now and then it was like when I'm showing the real stuff and the nitty-gritty and actually the dirt and how kind of time-consuming and annoying it can be people were like okay I don't want this you know this is so stressful um you do it here's my money and we're just I'd ended up just kind of having more invest passive investors that were happy to lend their capital that sounds really good like putting the truth out there but also getting the supporters and also intact getting more business I guess right so I think it worked in your favor and I guess the pot the copycat builders is just people copying your design copycat investors bad builders copycat builders oh okay uh, sorry there we go copycat investors bad builders <laughs> yep that's the one um so they copy your design um and is it because you kept on seeing them on social media how is that you came out kind of knew that they were copying your designs and stuff like you know because there's so many builders going oh, on you around. find out when you're is yeah okay find out <laughs> yeah it gets back to you when someone's copying your like designs you know color by color um, scheme so it gets back to you I think it's quite important to kind of outline um when you are starting out what the problems are because it's not always a perfect picture you don't start with a perfect canvas when you start painting for example so it's really important but it's just getting over those those are just obstacles and once you know how to um kind of fight those then you kind of become immune to it and then it becomes easier over time um, and then, you know, with the current climate with COVID, have you found any difficulties with that and the property and the builders and, you know, the invest investments and stuff like that? So how's, how's that worked towards your business this year and last year? So I was quite lucky um, with in terms of like my tenants, they actually all stayed and paid rent. Um, and that was fine. I've actually had my first void in 2021. And now actually we've got um, a couple moving into that room. So that's fine. Um, ended up having the room available, well, empty for, um, well, about five weeks. Um, so that, that's been my first void as being a landlord in five years. Um, and then, yeah, so it's, it's been, I, I guess I thought the world was really going to end and I got really worried and I bought these like rental um, insurance policies for my like student HMOs and then realized like actually I didn't need to do that the world wasn't ending um, but yeah so it's actually been okay the, the thing that's happened because of like the government introducing like 
no stamp duty um, to pay on properties, it's bumped up property prices and it's meant that there's a lot more, it's a seller's market at the moment and it's a lot more difficult to find deals, especially if you're buying. And um, it just means that like things are a bit more overpriced. And as an investor, I will have a ceiling price. Um, and whereas someone that's buying emotionally because it's their forever home, they won't have a ceiling price and therefore they'll um, want to buy you know, their forever home. And so I can't compete with those residential buyers, um, nor do I want to, because obviously I don't want to overpay, especially when I have, you know, I have my numbers calculated down to a T. So, so yeah, so I guess finding deals in 2021 and end of 2020 has been difficult. Um, I did get a lot of, um, well, not a lot, but a few direct vendors, because I did some creative marketing strategies when the world first went into lockdown. Um, yeah, and I ended up buying a property direct vendor, which completed in October, 2020, um, and then completed on my last property in December, 2020. But yeah, it's it's been like, the pipeline has been really dry this year. I have one project I'm working on, whereas this time last year, even as we were going into lockdown, I had four projects on and um, two that I was starting. And so there was, a, I had built up a really decent pipeline in 2019. That sounds great. Um, so basically, I mean, I think it's quite scary being in properties and stuff. Um, so like for someone like me or anyone listening who wants to go into properties, what would you say your advice would be uh, when you're initially starting off? Like you said, you had a, a ceiling price. Um, if you can just elaborate on what that means and, you know, first steps in going into yeah. um, properties. It's get educated, you know, like I can throw out loads of terms like return on capital employed, return on investment, yield, buy to let, HMO, um, commercial property. These will mean nothing unless someone is getting educated or wants to learn about it. You know, it's, I guess if there was a solicitor talking about legal jargon, I would have no clue because I'm not, you know, versed in that field. So I would say the same resource that I said, you know, go to YouTube, um, listen to podcasts and join property communities um, where they have like monthly networking events and just start networking with people and yeah, just seeing what other people are doing, whether it's on social media and stuff. Um, so that's it. And, you know, the terminology will come and, you know, just Googling those can be good or just, you know, reading books on, on property and stuff um, can, can educate like on uh, these terms. Mm -hmm. And uh, is there any like um, important kind of forums that kind of call out to you if they want to go there today, for example, is there any key ones that you use? Yeah, so there's um, the biggest kind of like calls provided and I'm not I'm not like advocating any of these because I've not even done any of their property education but um progressive property do like ppn um and so they there are all over the country there's pin which is all over the country there's baker street property meet which I've spoken at which is in London um that's ran by Ranjan Bhattachari who has a youtube channel some a lot of my friends have youtube um youtube channels and a property podcast so Tej Talks James uh, J2 Hub Podcast, D Ludlow's 5am Club, that's more like um, a kind of a, an all over business one because he talks about crypto as well. So yeah, like when you're looking for education, you will, you will find it, right? And I guess like, um, that, and that's how sometimes people find me, they'll go, oh, I found you through this podcast, or I was listening to this, and I found you through that, and they'll just send me a message. So again, when you're looking for the right things, you'll, you'll find the right people the things that you're looking for and um, whether it's just googling or youtubing videos and stuff and you know youtube is my resource for anything when i'm using quickbooks which is like a bookkeeping software that i have with my limited company and i don't know how to do something i just youtube it when i'm trying to edit um a, a video 
I'll just quickly YouTube it because somebody has yeah. made an, a 10 minute YouTube video or like a minute YouTube video. So YouTube is such a great resource. Or I don't know if I wanted to do something in Canva the other day, I just YouTubed it and I just found it and I was like, oh, this is amazing. So yeah, I think YouTube is such an amazing resource for like everything. Um, yeah. To, to utilize at your disposal and you can just watch the, the videos there in the background right so yeah that's what and I recommend. Do you find it was initially difficult being a woman in property or do you just generally find it difficult now um, just because I think there's a perception that um, you know there's not many women in property um, investment or developers so what would be your take on that? Yeah so I have kind of been like the only woman in a lot of things that I've done um, in my life. So like I played football when I was at school. Uh, I did OTC, this army thing when I was at university where it was 90% men. I studied a male dominated subject at university. I went into investment banking and now I'm in property. So, so I've always, that's never really hindered me. I've never really seen that as like a hindrance, but um, yeah like I do I said this I said this yesterday um to maybe it was actually on Monday to another friend that's in property and is an ethnic minority and and, and I was saying if I was a white man people would have treated me differently and I do think that if I if I was a white male there would there would be certain things that would be okay but because I'm an ethnic minority and I'm an Indian woman there's just some things that is is not you know accepted or or done so yeah whether it's like from other investors and how they treat you um and if I was a white male I do think I'd been treated differently but I don't think I've been hindered I think just the way that other people have would have interacted with me would have been different and so you know right now um you're like confident woman in property um and like you know when you have building work done or you have investors um that doesn't being a woman doesn't hinder your your kind of development or your um your business basically no i don't think it hinders um one at all but other people will i guess use as an excuse um and i think like you know we're recording this on the 10th of march and the the Meghan markle with harry prince harry oprah interview came out and yeah she was just she was treated completely differently because she was um a black woman you know and there was specific headlines that were dark, that were different for her if she which went for kate and i and i i see that comparison i think you know i do think like if i was a white male certain, certain things would be more tolerant or certain people would have or things would have been okay and because i'm not it's it's seen as like this is not okay um and it's unfortunate but look like you just have to you know just work through it and still smash out your truth and keep progressing at whatever it is that you're trying to focus on whether it's building up a business a brand um whether you you know you want to be an awesome solicitor auditor um yeah or set up your business whether it's in property investment or yeah with whichever industry so i think that's quite commendable and you know uh, kudos to you devinda for doing that and it's it's not an e easy position but i think it's also you know you've been in that environment when you were in your previous role and you're saying you're playing football um so i think it, again it's to do with mindset you know and pushing through those boundaries that helps support kind of um where you are today and the portfolio of investments you do have so good job with that um thank was, you so much i really appreciate that that's super kind is there any suggestions that or advice you would have um, in kind of 
ways people can stop to think about passive income. There's definitely more education resources out there that people can look at. But I think in terms of passive income, like I'm a money borrower right now and I see how much money that I pay in interest to my investors. And I say this like quite a lot because I truly believe this. I really want to in the future, and I hope it's not too far in the future, I want to lend my money out. And I want to lend my money out to budding property investors that wow me away with their business plan. And a little Davinda comes along and I'm like, yeah, boom. Right. And I just I want to lend my money for a passive return because it's the most passive form of income. And you can support a business with capital and they are then just left to carry on with their devices. And so for me, that's a, pass- a true passive form of income that anyone can do if they've got a spare bit of capital. But secondly, the other thing that um, I've recently started investing in um, and I'm looking to build up like quite a bit is investing in index funds um, and utilizing compound interest, um, which is like interest on your interest. So I think that's that's like super, super um like magical when you can kind of like get into terms of these things and be like wow like you know you can be a millionaire by the time you retire by just being savvy and saving a a little bit a month and just having good habits and putting those habits in place from like really early on means that one doesn't need to put away too much um so that by the time they retire um they have like a a bulk of capital that they can utilize um and and i'd always advocate um utilizing like a, a tax efficient way of doing it so for example in the uk it'd be like a stocks and shares isa which doesn't um isn't subject to tax or capital gains and again it's just like scrimping the surface and getting your listeners to maybe kind of see and understand that there are other ways and routes of investing and it's not just keeping your money in a zero percent bank account right with santander or natwest or tsb um yeah and or barclays just get earning like 0.1 percent um interest on your money because if inflation will erode that away and um, your money, like £10 today is not £10 tomorrow. Um, so your money that's in your bank account is not, it is not going to be the same amount, you know, in a year's time from now. Um, and so inflation just slowly erodes at the value of money. And so if your interest that you're receiving, the interest rate that you're receiving is higher than the level of, uh, is higher than the rate of inflation, then, then your money is working hard. And you know that's easily done in index funds and in the in the stock market. And index funds is probably like the safest way to do it, especially if you want to be a passive investor. And that's what I do. I just you know set up a direct debit once a month. It goes out, and boom, it just um, I do like dollar cost averaging. But there we go. Kind of like naming terms now, which might be too. Yeah. I think it's just like keywords. To, to be honest, um, I think I think it's just keywords. So like you know, touching based on index funds, and you know we're not saying telling anyone who to where to invest their money but it's just keywords so then they can go and youtube it for example if they like and if they find it fit that would be like their own independent decision um but it's just like through knowledge like some someone says index funds and they might know nothing about it and then they go google and it could work really well for them so sometimes like for example you have great insights and someone might not have that and it could just trigger something and get them to go and research it so these are all really really good pointers so thank you for that and like in terms of just your business and balancing your personal life um do you think that they go hand in hand do you think it's okay because a lot of it is passive other than like the current projects that you do work on um, how how does that work for you and what does it actually mean to you of the balance like there's so it's so much active income and so much active stuff that you need to do and especially as you grow and and have more tenants like it just comes with its own barrage of things that you need to handle sure whether it's the management um 
so it probably is definitely not passive but there is a passive income that I receive from my property investments but my active income is the fact that I project manage the the properties but that's the, when they're being renovated but I love that like I genuinely genuinely love love like um seeing um weekly like how the the property is being created and what and keep on top of the builders and what they're doing um so yeah I forget your question sorry what did you ask? Um, it's just the balance between your personal life um, and work life, um, uh-huh. like kind of a work-life balance and yeah, balance. what that means to you. Yeah, so I, this is definitely something I struggled with at the beginning when I first went into property investing in 2018. I couldn't like switch off and, you know, I was working weekends and evenings and and now I've definitely have learned to, to take a step away from that. But um, right now, uh, I like, I don't have push notifications, emails on my phone. I mute all my group whatsapps i um take evenings and um and weekends off and the week the evenings um you know i might work like i might be motivated to work one evening you know and i'll be working till 11 p.m but then i'll just give myself a break the next day or something and so today um the today like i just took a break in the middle of the day and i was like you know what, I just kind of want to watch Narcos and I watched a few episodes and I just took a break. And then actually you called me because I nearly forgot our call. Well, I did because I don't have push notifications on. Um, and so, yeah, I, you know, and now I'll probably work for a few hours. So I definitely think it's healthy to take um, to take a balance. I, I definitely, I've put all of like my, on my iPhone, um, my social media apps in the day, they're restricted. So I don't get any, any notifications. I actually have to go into the app in the day if I want to. Um, so yeah. Uh, yeah I, I agree with that I use a similar format like I turn off all my notifications and I really think it works well otherwise it'll be distracting you every two seconds like you know whatsapp or any notifications from email so that is definitely something that works for me too um any advice you kind of would have for your younger self or to people out there um take risks take um when you're young and just live a life with no regrets Great. Thank you so much. I kind of have come to all at the end of my questions, um, but I really appreciate, you know, your transparency and having such a um, open conversation about your investments and, you know, all your journey and how the learnings helped you, how the mentorships helped you and what property actually means to you and why you actually tried to, um, you changed and you took the courage of going out of your day job and going into property investment. So thank you so much for your time, Davinda. Um, really appreciate it. So thank you very much. Okay, no worries. Thank you for having me on, um, on your podcast. I really appreciate it. And thank you for reaching out. Thank you for getting to the end of the podcast and for listening today. Please share the podcast with friends and family members and inspire other women. Grow knowledge and always remember to work towards your dreams.